Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Talking some college football, more so the Big Ten and uh, the Badgers. Jeff Patrikas from the uh, from the Journal Sentinel now joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Jeff, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Bill? Doing extremely well. So uh, I'll start right off by asking you the likelihood, in your opinion, of us seeing college football in the fall. Well, it's way too early to tell still, although, you know, if we were to compare where we are today to March when things look really bad, I would say it's a much brighter outlook. Um, The Big Ten has shut down organized team activities through June 1st, but they're going to revisit that. Um, the NC2A, there's an NC2A council meeting today to discuss um, whether or not to let students back on uh, campus for organized, excuse me, for voluntary activities. I would expect the Big Ten to um, probably lighten up a little bit and ease off on its suspension of organized team activities when they revisit the issue on June 1st. You've got more schools that are looking at hybrid models. We've got some in-person education, some online education. So I think there are signs pointing toward them doing everything they can to play games, not necessarily in front of fans, but to play games. The NCAA probably more so, way more so, I would assume, than the NFL or the professional leagues, dependent on the gate, how much – does the I mean I know they're going to get some money if they come back and uh, the television broadcast rights for say the super you know, the Power Five conferences obviously but how much is not having fans in the stands or the parking or the amenities how much is that going to hurt their budgets their bottom lines do you think well let, let's look at it from a, a little you know the Big Ten or Wisconsin perspective um, it's much more so media rights than um, ticket revenue. For example, during the budgeting process for 2021, the fiscal year, uh, if you took big t- or took media rights and um, bowl distributions, because you know all the Big Ten teams, if they go in bowl games, that that benefits everybody in the league. You're looking at close to 50 million dollars projected by UW for their 2021 budget. Ticket revenue for football was projected to be a little bit more than half that. Is that a small amount? No, but it's it's not close to what it is for media rights. For example, if they played in front of full stadiums in the fall but got no money from me- money from media rights, they'd lose a much more significant amount than they will lose if you play in empty stadiums but every game's on TV. So when do you expect? Um because um, I saw there was some posts uh, coming out of Ohio State that they said uh, mid to late June. They were hoping to get the football players back on campus. I saw the same thing coming out of Alabama and some of the other larger colleges as well. When do you think you could start to see, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but according to your story, UW has not discussed uh, in-person classes as of yet. So until they do, you can't bring everybody back. But 
No. When no, would you? They've they've looked at. They're looking at different options. They're looking at okay. obviously in a perfect in a perfect world, you love to have everybody back on campus. I think most people agree that's not going to happen. I think most people, you know, obviously this can be different for different regions in the country. Okay, um, to certain certain percentages, but I think most people agree you're going to see a hybrid model. They're going to have some. They're going to want to have some in-person instruction. Um, and then have online. And, you know, there might be some kids who don't want to come back for in-person instruction. Maybe they don't feel comfortable. Um, maybe they want to take a gap year and take a year off. But UW has said that they're not going to announce their intention until sometime in July. But everybody's looking at a variety of ways to have instruction again. Not, so it's not all online. For example, Notre Dame, South Carolina, schools like that, I said, we're going to go up to Thanksgiving you know, in person as much as we can. And then after that, it's going to be all online in order to avoid sending kids home for Thanksgiving, places all over the country, having mm-hmm. them come back then after, after Thanksgiving when you've got flu season starting up. Um, there, people are trying to be proactive. But we're not going to know about UW's academic plan, they say, until July. We'll know more about whether student athletes can come on campus before then. Um, as I said, if the Big Ten announces – you know, on June 1st, hey, we are allowing voluntary um, workouts for, for X number of athletes or X percentage of athletes on your teams starting on this this date. That's another positive sign. Talking with Jeff Petrigas of the Journal Sentinel about the Badgers. So um, the next question would then be this. I can't imagine them just opening up the facility and saying, oh, by the way, here we go. This is probably going to be a trickle-in effect where some guys are going to start to come on campus. They're going to bring in some at a time, socially distanced, make sure that nobody contracts anything. And then the question is going to be the protocol. If somebody does, that particular player will go into protocol for 14 days with quarantine. But what do you do with the people that he's come in contact with in that period of time? You just keep testing them and waiting and seeing? or Because, well, you know, that, that's another – go ahead. We had a story that ran, uh, I want to say earlier this week, the, the days all kind of blend together, um, but it ran recently. And in that story were included comments from NC2 President Mark Emmert and NC2A's chief medical guy in all this, um, Brian, I believe it's Hainline. And he talked about where we are today in testing it could be completely different to where we are 30 days from now, 60 days from now. And he's right, because if, if you step away from athletics for a second. And if you just look at the way things are around the country and around the world, so much is being learned one week to the next and so much changes one week to the next. But he just talked about the fact that, yes, you have to test often. And then you have to decide, okay, if one person uh, tests positive, you quarantine that person. Do you test others then frequently, you know, every three days, every five days, et cetera, because the problem is if one person tests positive, you could test 99 other people that day or the next day, and they may not test positive right away. So he was talking about staggered testing times. Um, so that's one thing that they're going to have to look at. And then you have to make a decision. If you, know, if you quarantine, do you quarantine one person or do you shut it down? You know, everybody. I don't think you're going to mm-hmm. shut down everybody. Those are those are all going to be decisions that if we get to the point where you try to start the season, whether it's the first week of September as scheduled or the first week of October, if they try to push things back, I don't, you know, that's another factor to consider. Yes, those are all questions that they're going to have to grapple with. But 
there's going to have to be testing, there's going to have to be tracing, and there's probably going to have to be quarantining someone if they test positive. Uh, on the football field, uh, give me your thoughts as to the Badgers, how you feel they're going to look. Obviously, some decisions need to be made, some guys they have lost to the NFL and to graduation. Give me the overall uh, kind of perspective, so to speak, when it comes to the Badgers in the football season. Well, I would say early on, if it's if we're talking a normal season, that the defense will probably be the strength of the team, if you're talking defense, offense, and special teams, because that unit will have lost the fewest players. Now, the losses are significant. Zach Bond and Chris Orr, but they've got some guys in line to at least step up. And when you've got all your D linemen back and all your secondary back and a ton of guys in the secondary who have started, and you've got several guys up front who are very experienced and, and plenty of starting experience or key reserves that can help ease the blow of the two linebackers. Offense is going to be probably the, the number one question that will be obviously what do they have at tailback in terms of, you know, can two, three guys get it done to replace Jonathan Taylor? Um, do they have the makings of a good offensive line? That one where you lost some key guys, that's going to be a work in progress. And that's 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 where having spring ball, not having spring ball is a problem on the offensive yeah. line because you would have liked to get some things ironed out there. And then who replaces Quintez Cephas at wide receiver? And then special teams, punting, kickoff returns, kickoffs, all question marks, and place kicking. Yeah, it's uh, without spring ball, it throws a lot of questions, a lot of monkey wrenches uh, out there. There's no doubt about it. And and the thing about it is it's not like one team has the advantage over the other other than the fact that if you've got a lot of starters returning, you know what you already have versus a team that has a lot of questions in the air. It's going to take you a little bit of a a time for an adjustment. Jeff, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Stay safe, and uh, we'll kind of, you know, bend your ear again probably here in the next month or so, okay? All right, take care, Bill. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. Jeff Petrikas. You can read his stuff in the Journal Sentinel, giving us the lowdown as to what's going on out there in Madison College football. Hopefully it's uh, back sooner rather than later, and hopefully the college campuses are able to very slowly open back up. But it's not that I'm pushing for life back to being normal, because I think our sense of normalcy, look around, it's going to be different for a while. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, It's just the cautionary tale would be if we open it up, do we all garner herd immunity? Just as the antibodies start to grow within us, within our bodies, within our our society? Or does it then spread like wildfire and we're right back to square one? So that's the question. That's the unanswered question right now. That's what we're waiting to find out. And uh, we'll probably know in another week because uh, a lot of people have ventured out. Very slowly have ventured out. Another week or two. You're going to start to see whether or not the spike is coming back. I mean, in, in places like Georgia and Florida, it didn't spike right away. Everybody wanted, waited like right after they opened up the economy to say, oh, my God, there you go. And it, it doesn't happen like that. It takes a little while. There's an incubation period. Then all of a sudden, you're either going to see a spike or you're going to see people building up the antibodies, the immunities, and suddenly uh, you're going to see it on the decline. So you hope the latter becomes the norm. Um, cross your fingers anyway. Uh, he would join us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair. 80-plus years. They've been doing it. Call them, 844-PRIDE, or go to schneiderjobs.com. That's 844-PRIDE, or go to schneiderjobs.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.